Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC 248, headlined by a double title fight main event. That's right, we got Israel Adesanya, Yoel Romero, plus Jan Jacek versus Jang. It's an exciting card, and of course, you know, we are going to be breaking down all of the prelims. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, you might be asking yourself, why are we only breaking down the prelims? Why are you not looking at this stellar main card? And the answer is quite simple. It's because you guys probably already have a place you go for main card breakdowns. You probably already know how you feel about some of those fights in the first place. But you probably don't have a place where you go for the prelims. And that's where we're here to help because we honestly feel that there's tons of value in either gambling or daily fantasy sports when you look at the prelims. So we're going to break those down for you today. But before we do so, I got to let you know that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is a social media app that allows you to track your progress in whatever martial art you train. So over the course of the episode today, during the quick advertisements between rounds, I'm going to let you know how to set it up how to use it, and some of its best features. So how to set it up is simple. You're going to go to whatever app store you use. You're going to download Maroon Social. And from there, you can easy as pie put in your information, which includes your name, where you train, what martial art you like to train, and even your belt level, which can include, you know, stripes even if you, you want to get real specific with it. So we'll tell you a little bit more about the app later on in the show. But now I am joined by a savvy co-host joining me today from the, the Body Lock MMA as well as about a dozen other places, Drake Riggs. Drake. Thanks so much for coming on. Yes, thanks for having me on, man. Always a pleasure. Good to talk about the prelims. Give those guys, uh, you know, a shine that they deserve. Yeah, and this is a hell of a prelim card, too, especially compared to some of the recent ones. So, yeah. uh, as usual, we're going to start every single round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Sean O'Malley versus Jose Alberto Quinanez. So O'Malley 2-0 in the UFC with decision wins over Tarion Ware and Andre Sukumta. Of course, he had that two years off due to a tainted supplement. And now we are just finally getting him back in the cage. He's going to be fighting Quinanez, who's 2-1 in his last three with a decision win over Ishihara. He then got subbed by Nathaniel Woods and eventually won a decision over Carlos Achuain. So here's my major question, and I think the question on everybody's mind for this fight how concerned are you about the layoff for O'Malley here, either physically or mentally? Hmm. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I think it's probably more of a mental thing, honestly, just because, uh, you know, the guy was scheduled to fight multiple times and then, you know, lost those opportunities due to the whole crazy USADA saga that he had to go through. Um, physically, I mean, you know, I'm sure that he stayed, he stayed busy. I mean, when he first went out, it was actually not because of USADA, because of that foot injury that he had from his last fight. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that he's, you know, kept busy. I haven't been keeping up with him too much. I know he likes to play his video games and all that, which is <laughs> <laughs> probably doesn't help too much with the physical stuff, but, you know, I'm sure he stayed in shape and all that. I just think it comes down to like, man, he, he's got to get himself, you know, refreshed in, in the mind about like, okay, I'm actually going to fight this time. It's kind of like, whoa, I'm actually going to fight, you know, it's such a, a crazy thing. Cause he's had just this man, a string of bad luck. Um, so yeah, I think that. I think he'll come in, you know, all right and good, good and prepared. I mean, I'm sure he really wants to get back in there, but it's just like believing and like realizing that the moment is going to happen, you know? Absolutely. And I think especially that's true considering he's a guy who 
who like exudes so much confidence and that's so yeah. much of his game too right like he believes he can back everybody down and land that killer knockout shot right like at every single moment he thinks he's dangerous so like you're right if that mental game is off just a little bit on him what, what does that mean in the long run and now stylistically here Jose Alberto Quina has you know nothing to, to laugh at either too he's got mm-hmm. an amazing record in the UFC how, how do you think stylistically the two match up yeah, it's really interesting. You know, I feel like uh, Quinones, he's kind of been a really under the radar guy. You look at his record, you know, he's he's five and, you know, two overall, which is, you know, really good for somebody who doesn't really get talked about at all. And he's only lost to some legit guys. And, you know, Alejandro Alejandro Perez in his you know, debut um, on the Ultimate Fighter Latin America. Then, you know, the Nathaniel Wood won in his fight before his last one, which, you know, Nathaniel was a legit prospect in his own right. Um, and, you know, he was doing all right in that fight, too. You know, he was able to get Wood down on the ground, you know, control him a little bit, have some success on the feet. Of course, you know, Wood had the better of it, but it wasn't like a completely one sided beat down, even though, you know, he got finished and all that. Um, I think that, you know, he matches up pretty good f- with O'Malley and they were actually scheduled to fight for one of those times where, you know, the Usada <laughs> came in and turned things off. So, I mean, he's already prepared for O'Malley at least once before this. So, um, you know, done some studying on him which I think is going to be more beneficial in his case because he didn't have to go through all that, you know, nonsense that O'Malley did. So I think, you know, from that standpoint, it definitely gives him a better chance here. But stylistically, I don't think it's a bad matchup for him. He's, you know, a very scrappy guy. He's he's pretty well-rounded, which I think is helpful when it comes to O'Malley, being able to take the fight anywhere than just being stuck in a certain position, especially in the striking where O'Malley has a decent advantage over most of the guys that at his level right now that he's fighting. Um, at least from what we saw two years ago, which is crazy to think that it was that long ago now. Um, but yeah, I think that he matches up pretty well. Uh, I'm sure that O'Malley's favored in this one, rightfully so. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely a possibility. It's not going to be um, you know, as one-sided as it could be. And if it is, that'll be even more impressive on O'Malley's part. Absolutely. So we've gotten to the point where you got to give me a prediction. Who do you see winning this one, and how do you see him winning it? Mm, you know, even with all the stuff considered, it's it's hard to go against O'Malley just from how good he has looked, from what we've seen in the past and all that. But um, you know, I don't think it'll be his usual like highlight reel performance. Going to see anything too crazy from him, just because man, it's I think really the mental side of it will affect him a bit and just be like getting his feet you know back under him is kind of going to be a big deal for him. But I think he should be able to um you know strike his way to a victory for the most part and um but i think that quinones will have some good success maybe later on in the fight where he'll have his best success in rally maybe if he's down um or feels down in the first two rounds i think it'll be close but still a unanimous decision for o'malley in the end i'm taking the same exact thing so let's take a, another fight here and, and let's talk about one that's way easier to pick and that's rodolfo vieira versus saparovic <laughs> safarov so vieira won his ufc debut with an arm triangle of oscar pichota back in august safarov won and two in the ufc he lost to jean Vellante by ko pedro or tyson pedro by submission and then he beat Nikolay Negmegru by decision. Yeah, knew I was going to slaughter that. Did it anyway. Uh, so obviously, this is probably the safest fight on the or on the whole card to pick here. Is there anything that you like about Safarov in this one? I mean, you know, he's just such a crazy, you know, caveman type of fighter. That's not a, not a knock on him or any offense to him. That's just how he is. I mean, he was a little bit dirty in his last fight, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm getting people mixed oh, up. You got that was... one right on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. So. Um, but yeah, Vieira, man, just, you know, killer on the ground. Got all, he's got all finishes, all, you know, submissions except for one fight, uh, with the TKO and the other one. But 
Yeah, it's it seems pretty cut and dry in this one with I think that the next matchup we'll talk about too. Um, you know, it's if he can if he gets it down, yeah, he's gonna get the win and then Sephiroff, not you know, technical really on the feet, but he make he's got, you know, a very hard head on him and he just swings <laughs> wild so he can land something and survive anything that comes at him. So yeah, it's kind of striker versus grappler for the most part, and you know, gotta lean towards Vieira in this case. <laughs> yeah, of course, I'm leaning the same exact way. So let's go with official predictions. I'm thinking Vieira by the moment he gets him to the ground, <laughs> any way he wants. Uh, how about you? Yeah, that sounds about right. I'll go with that. All right, and that's gonna do it for the end of our first round. We're gonna take a quick minute, talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Round number two. All right, guys, now in the beginning of the show, we talked to you a quick little bit about how to set up your profile on Maroon Social. It's real easy, and now we're going to talk to you about logging different training sessions. So when you train, the cool thing you do is you, you log the amount of time that you put into to drilling and the amount of time you put into to doing actual sparring or some rolling. So it gives you that difference, plus you can tag different techniques you worked on and write yourself little notes about that. So the, the cool thing is you can go back to those notes at any time. Plus it tells you week to week, month to month, how often you're training with those different tags. So maybe you notice you've done five straight weeks of triangle chokes and yet maybe you haven't worked on that Dara's choke that you really need to. So it's a great way to stay on top of your training. It's a great way to guide your training. Make sure to check it out at Maroon Social. Now, back for round number two. And we are back with round number two. Going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Mark Madsen versus Austin Hubbard. Madsen won his UFC debut with a TKO of Danilo Bilardo. Uh, and Austin Hubbard won and won in the UFC after losing to Davi Ramos back in December. He beat Kyle Propolek by decision. Now, Madsen's wrestling has always, always, always looked good, but... You know, he doesn't really have the greatest level of competition to talk about, you know, that he's mm-hmm. he's gone up against. Do you think it's as good as people are making it out to be? Yeah, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's still a mystery. But I think that, yeah, I think it'll be good enough, um, you know, especially for this this matchup here. I mean, you know, you mentioned the Hamosh loss, you know, Hamosh, another great grappler, um, you know, he doesn't have the wrestling background, but, you know, phenomenal on the mat as well. Um, you know, I think, yeah, Madsen is, I don't know if we'll, you know, learn too much from this one, depending, uh, you know, like you said, with his, his competition that he's fought, but I, you know, he's got his accolades for a reason. So, um, but there's always that question of wrestling, regular wrestling to, you know, MMA wrestling, there's a difference there. So I think we'll learn more as we go on. I don't know if this matchup will tell, tell us too much, but, you know, I think it's pretty cut and dry with, you know, he gets it down. He should be able to get the win here. And if not, then more trouble, of course. Yeah, and, and I'm actually interested to see whether or not he can get it down because Hubbard does fight kind of long. And, and mm-hmm. Madsen's not the tallest guy for the division. You know, he's he's a little bit on yeah. the shorter side. And, and also, uh, you know, not that I'm, I'm trying to lean or persuade anybody here to take Hubbard, but, you know, the fact that Hubbard stuffed Davi Hamosh at, at least once yeah. uh, is it intriguing to me, at least. You know, and it's a different type of, like you said, a different type of grappler. One is a pure BJJ guy. The other one is, you know, not even the typical type of wrestler we see. You know, he's a more of a mm-hmm. Greco guy. So, you know, to, to, you know, just compare those, it's like comparing apples to bananas, never mind oranges. So, uh, but, but at the same time, yeah, I think it's at least intriguing and it will at least learn something about it, but it sounds like you got your mind pretty made up here. You're going with, with Madsen and how you see him getting it done. 
Yeah, those are great points, though. I think those are really important to bring up. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to take, you know, probably the safe pick here. And I think Madsen will, um, you know, be able to either grind out a decision or, you know, if, if Hubbard can give him some trouble, um, maybe not a finish, but if he does get a finish, I'll think, you know, maybe second round, um, TKO or something. But yeah, I think his wrestling will be enough. I'm going to go with him by decision, too, because I actually think Hubbard is super tough when it comes to the ground, too. I mean, he mm-hmm. did last 15 minutes with Davi Amos, which is, is not easy. Uh, yeah, not <laughs> easy for anybody. Right. So give him props for that. And uh, we'll say he loses the decision here instead. And that brings us to Gerald Mearshart versus Darren Wynn. Mearshart one in three in his last four fights, although two of those were split decision losses, including a somewhat controversial one in his last fight to Eric Anders. A lot of people thought he won that fight. Uh, and Darren Wynn, one and one in the UFC, he won a decision over Eric Spicely in his debut, and then he lost what some people would call a controversial split decision to Darren Stewart in his last bout. So uh, here's the question that, that boils down this one here, is that Mearshart has got pretty good defensive wrestling, and he's got pretty good submissions once he gets to the ground, if he does get there. Do you think he's good enough to stuff win or give him trouble on the ground? Um. I don't know if he's good enough to, but I don't think he cares about it. You know, he's very comfortable on the ground, off his back, all that. Mearshart, man, he's one of those killer-be-killed guys, you know. Like, he, his fight's going to end in a finish more often than not. And then when it's a decision, you know, very uh, questionable, like you were saying there, that Anders fight, I think that he um, definitely should have got the win in that one. And his striking looked, I think, probably better than ever in that one. I was very surprised because, you know, Mearshart really hasn't been, you know, the the greatest striker in his career. He's very uh, submission-oriented, whether it's, you know, him getting submitted or his opponent. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if he'll really care too much about the if he can defend the takedown or not here. I mean, he's going to have, obviously, the length and the, you know, the, the reach all on win, which most people are, because win's a very stocky middleweight. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think that it's more of a case of, I don't know if he cares to, you know, defend it too much, so... Yeah, I sort of agree with you, and and I don't know if that's good or bad. Like, I don't have a good enough read on Darren Wynn's submission skills or, or mm-hmm. you know, his, his submission defense to really know if he can stay out of a Gerald Mearshart uh, submission. But I, I know that Mearshart's dangerous from bell to bell. I know yeah. that Darren Wynn looked like he probably got a, a little too tired in that fight with, with Darren Stewart, who isn't known for his gas tank either. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, th- those two things are definitely alarms in, in my head, but... You know, uh, like you said, the killer B kill mentality of Mearshart makes this a coin flip just about any time. And I'm going to ask you to call that a coin flip now since mm. we're right about at the end of the second round. How do you see it going? Oh, man, it's it's tough because um, honestly, you know, I haven't been super impressed with Wynn and just, you know, his career overall to this point. And then, you know, Mearshart, I mean, I wouldn't say I've been like super impressed with him either, but man, he's really fun to watch. I've really, you know, I like Mearshart. Uh, he's always exciting. You never know what you're going to get with him, really. Um Boy, but he also the thing about this is for some reason he really doesn't like uh, Duran Wynn. You know, yeah. from what I've been seeing, is he's really not a fan of him. So he's gonna go out there, and you know, after his Anders fight, he said, you know, I'm never going to a decision again, which is gonna make him even more of a guy who goes, you know, <laughs> kill or be killed. So just be, with those elements, I'm like, okay, man, Mearshart might be a little crazier than normal in this one, and because of that, you know, I think he'll probably end up finding that submission. Um. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go first round too. I think he'll catch him in something. All right, I'm gonna go uh, with uh, Gerald Mearshart as well, but I'm gonna go with him by late submission just because of that factor I mentioned. I, I think Darren Wynn tires here, and mm-hmm. we're now four for four in picking the exact same winner. So we're gonna take a quick break, talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back and see if we can get some disagreement in round number three. <laughs> 
Alright guys, my favorite function on Maroon Social is the competition log. Look, I, for years and years and years I competed. I've been doing jujitsu for about a decade at this point in time. And I don't know how I did in most of those tournaments. I remember a match here, a match there. I've got some gold, gold medals in my basement. I've got some bronze medals in my basement. But I don't necessarily remember how I did in all of them. And that is until I started using Maroon Social because now I've got a log of every single event that I've ever done. I know where it was. I know when it was. I know how many matches I had. I know whether I won or lost and how I won or lost. It is absolutely one of the coolest things that you can do. And it's all digital. So if your phone drops in water and you had it on a notepad, you've lost it. But if it's on Maroon Social, you've got it saved in a nice secure place. So I highly suggest checking it out because that it alone is worth downloading the app. Now, let's head back for round number three. And we are back with round number three. We've got to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jamal Emmers versus Giga Chikadze. So Jamal Emmers making his UFC debut at 17-4. and four. He most recently beat Rafael Barbosa back at LFA 81 by arm triangle. Giga Chikadze beat Brandon Davis in his UFC debut. Both of them are stepping in pretty much for each other, being that they both <laughs> lost opponents in Movsar Evelev and Mike Davis rather than Brandon Davis. Which one does this like late change affect the most, you know, either based on style of their opponent or the head games that you play? I I think probably Chikadze, um, just because, you know, Emmers, he has fought, you know, a lot. He's been very active throughout, you know, the, the recent part of his career and it's for most of his career, um, you know, dating back to 2012. Um, he's already got, you know, 21 fights or however many. So... I think it shouldn't be a big deal for him. And, you know, he's one of those guys making his debut. The guys on, you know, the regional scene or the LFA areas, you know, of 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 MA, they're always looking and waiting for, you know, this opportunity to show up. So they're generally more ready for it. With Chikadze, you know, he's getting this big change. And to be honest, he's got, you know, a fairly padded record if you look at it. But, uh, you know, he's got his experience in kickboxing and all that. So there's that. But but in MMA, um, you know, he's going this is going to be his most experienced opponent yet in Embers, despite all the 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 outside factors that we were mentioning here. So I think that it's going to be a much bigger deal for him, honestly. That's interesting, too. And and now the real thing that, that this boils down to for me is Chikadze is a really good kickboxer. He's been yeah. kickboxing for years and years and years. You know, you mentioned not a lot of experience in MMA and a very padded record. I, I think you were even being yeah. nice with that. But, <laughs> but a very padded record with, with what he's got so far. So here's the question. Is Jamal Ever Emmers going to go after that takedown? And if so, like, does he have the entries? Because I like his striking a lot, but does he have the entries to turn this into, like, a gritty grappling match? I think that that's obviously, you know, the best route to victory here. Because, you know, Chikadze, if you look at his last fight specifically, just going off, what have you done for me lately? Man, his jab was just so beautiful in that fight. He was just lighting Davis up every, any chance that he really wanted to. But then it was still a close fight because Brandon Davis, you know, he's a gamer himself. Um, Emmers, I think that, you know, he should be able to. We saw some grappling exchanges there a little bit in the Brandon Davis one. And, you know, uh, Chikadze does have some submission wins, you know, over his uh, questionable opponents. <laughs> but. But, yeah, I think that Emmers should be should be able to. I mean, because this is going to be a really interesting test for Chikadze because it is quite a step up just when you consider everything that's going on here. Absolutely. So I got to ask you, who do you got and how do you got him? Mm, it's tough. I still think it's going to be a pretty close and crazy fun fight. Um, 
But man, I, I think Emmer's just everything kind of leans in his favor, I think, especially with the short notice. If this was, you know, they had a full camp for each other, I would probably be more more on Chikadze's side. But even then, it would still be really close just because, I, I mean, just to be totally honest, you know, it's just his biggest it's biggest opponent yet in terms of experience and all that in MMA. So, um, you know, I'm going to take Emmer's. I'm going to do a, another unanimous decision, though. All right, I'm going to take a unanimous decision, too, but I got my disagreement. I'm going with Giga Jakadze uh. here. I, I liked how he looked in the clinch. And, and to me, I, I just feel like Emmer's spends too much time on the feet in this one. It's going to cost yeah. him. And, and we saw him on the Contender Series have trouble with, with Julian Arosa on the feet, right? He got tagged a couple yeah, of times yeah. and then eventually knocked out. So, for me, you know, when if Juicy J knocked you out, Jakadze can certainly <laughs> do it, too. So, uh, and that's going to take us to our second fight, which is Dana Batgarel versus Guido Canetti. Batgarel Oh, and one in the UFC, losing his debut to Alatang Hali. And Kennedy is one and two in his last three. He got subbed by both Kyung Ho Kang and Marlon Vera, which certainly no shame in either of those. And he mm-hmm. won a decision over Diego Rivas. So uh, obviously his biggest weakness is grapplers. You know, sort of what we were talking about with Chikadze a second ago. We don't want to see him grapple. Is he safer against Batgirl? Yeah, I think that he's definitely gonna be pretty safe here because Baccarell you know he's got that kickboxing background as well um you know he he was looking pretty all right in that that highly Alatang fight um but you know didn't get the win he ended up getting you know in the third round kind of laid on a bit himself so it's just kind of a pretty good matchup for Guido I mean he's literally been submitted in all of his losses <laughs> so I mean just kind of telling right there oh, again you know against you know pretty solid opponents who are able to do that to you but you know even you look at that Marlon Vera fight which was his last fight 2 years ago which man I didn't realize that was that long ago too so he's he's coming back off a layoff just like O'Malley um you know he was doing pretty all right in that one before you know getting things went to the ground so I don't think that Backrell is going to try and take him down. And Backrell, you know, he was landing a good amount, you know, more volume on how uh, I highly all thing in his last fight. Um, but it just he wasn't doing as much damage and um, pushing it really as much when how uh, and that name is killing me all the thing thing was coming at Backrell. So I think that, yeah, this is a pretty good matchup for Guido. Um, yeah, I don't see it going to the ground unless somebody. Um, gets you know hurt or something we see some uh, panic takedowns or panic wrestling whatever it is <laughs> yeah well and hopefully we don't see that because i do think that this is going to be a super exciting one on the feet because kennedy you know looked good uh, you know you mentioned those being really long ago but i went back and watched the kyung ho kang fight he was tagging kyung ho kang almost mm-hmm. that whole fight until he got submitted um you yeah. know he, he even got kyung ho kang down uh and, and then just you know looked like a fish out of water as soon as he was there <laughs> so uh I, i'm hoping it stays on the feet and, and if it does i'm going guido Kennedy. Eddie, I'm going. I say he knocks him out too. How about you? Yeah, I do lead towards Guido, but then I I really didn't realize that he was on this, you know, coming back from two years off. So um, that's you know always a bit of a factor. We'll see. Uh, but matchup wise, you know, it's it's hard to go against him here. I think that Bagarel will be able to make it fun. Um, but yeah, he took some some big shots in his last fight and you know was looking hurt. I think Guido probably has more power than. Uh, Alatang. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Kennedy, too. I'll, I'll say second-round knockout, though. All right, and now we got to go with our last fight, which is Emily Whitmire versus Pollyanna Viana. Whitmire, 2-1 in her last three. Most recently was a rear-naked choke loss to Amanda Ribas. Before that, she beat Alexandra Albu and Jamie Moyer. Viana is on a three-fight losing streak to J.J. Crazy. Aldrich, Hannah Cyphers, and Veronica Macedo, with that last one being by armbar. Could you just explain to me, for any reason, why Pollyanna Viana is getting one more fight in the UFC at this point in time? 
Uh, man, <laughs> I hate to say it, but, you know, it's probably because, you know, she's not the worst looking fighter and, you know, still young. She's a solid prospect. And, you know, I, I do think that she won that Hannah Cyphers fight. But, you know, the record shows otherwise um, close one. But, yeah, it's very this is this is obviously I think you could say for either fighter, this could be. Um, you know, loser leaves town kind of fight, especially if Fiona, you can't keep her after four. I mean, that is that that's like rare territory, like really rare. <laughs> yeah, who's the one that they did keep after four? I don't mean to be go off on a tangent there. They did keep somebody though. You are right. There were two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was Je- Jessica I and Caitlin Curran. Ah, yes. Well, Jessica I proved us wrong by the end, but, but yep. Caitlin Curran did not. Um. All right, but, but <laughs> all, all 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 of that aside, let's talk about this fight and how it goes down. I mean, I like Emily Whitmire's volume here. I, I don't see any reason why I should probably pick Pauliana Viana. How, how about you? Yeah, this matchup, I really do like this fight. Um, And I think that the factors, you know, having both of their backs against the wall is going to make it a lot more fun and interesting. I mean, hopefully it's not cautious because of that, but um, yeah. I don't think it will be. Whitmire, she's really impressed me, honestly, since like getting off the ultimate fighter. I was kind of like, oh, she's just kind of one of those fighters who's there to kind of you know, get beat sort of. I hate to say that, but that's how it felt on the Ultimate Fighter. She's proved me wrong since then, I would say. And, you know, losing to Hebus in her last fight, no shame in that one. We know Hebus is very good, very talented. Um, and then, you know, Viana, she's she's good too, very solid on the ground, but just not as, uh, her, her opponents, you know, not as notable names, even though there's far less for Whitmire. I think that uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. I don't think Whitmire's going to be afraid of going to the ground with Viana where, you know, she's, her, probably her best with her submissions and all that, even though she got submitted by Veronica Macedo in what was a very crazy, you know, 69 seconds in that fight. Um, so, uh, but because of that, maybe if she is thinking about it, she'll go for more of a clinch, um, you know, up against the cage, kind of grind it out kind of uh, approach here to this one. But mm, I'm going to take, I think Whitmire will be able to keep it. Um, I don't know how I'll go with the decision just to be safe, but I'm, I'm looking forward to this one, honestly. Yeah. I actually think it's going to be a fun fight too. I, I am mostly kidding about why she's still in the UFC, but only mostly <laughs> kidding. Uh, and I'm going to take Whitmire by decision too. I, I think that that's the smart pick and, and she probably should have no problem with Pollyanna Viana, although we've seen much crazier things. And yes. that's going to do it for all seven of the fights that are on this prelim portion of the card. We hope you guys enjoyed checking out these prelims because they are actually Phenomenal. They're probably as good as the main cards you've been watching recently, so make sure to tune in early and check those out. I also want to thank Drake for coming on and breaking these down with me. You can make sure to check him out at Twitter at DrakeRiggs underscore, uh, and you can check out all of his work at like 750 different places, so make sure you do that as well. Drake, thanks so much for coming on. Yes, I appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure, always fun. Shining that spotlight, like I said at the beginning. <laughs>